Welcome to the Small Business Whole Health Podcast. We help you stay happy, healthy and whole so your small business can thrive and stay vital in this ever-changing world with holistic coaches and small business owners, Jill and Dan. Hello and welcome to our Small Business Whole Health Podcast. I'm Jill and I'm here with my podcasting partner, Daniel. Hello, Jill and hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. We are continuing with our six-part mini-series on the foundation principles and we are now on principle five although they're not in any particular order are they so these are these are just the things that you should be focusing on to have a healthy lifestyle and this podcast is all about movement what you should be including what types of movement and all the kind of things related to movement there's actually loads isn't there Dan yeah this one's quite easy I think to talk about but in the same regard there's so much movement. I think we both agreed off air that we didn't know what to talk about, did we? So <laughs> yeah. we'll just kind of just get, going to give it a general overview. But in a nutshell, we all know that we should be moving, but we'll try and give you some pointers of the benefits of movement, which you might not know about. Yeah, it's interesting you said that, that we kind of got too much that we didn't know what to do, because that's what I found when I was writing my book. This is the bit that I got stuck on, the movement bit, because I think because you know so much that it's like what do you not include what do you include and everything about movement is important isn't it but there's so much depth to it you know we always get asked what's the best movement for this what's the best exercise for this and the real answer is and the more you know the the harder it is to answer like when I was first qualified I'd be like oh yes you need to do this it was very definite but now I'm like well it depends (laughs) do you find that the more you know about something the harder it is to answer a question I think we spoke about that when we did the water episode for most people water seems very obvious but then the more you learn about it then you try to start describing the benefits and the the complexities <laughs> of water people you don't really need to know that do you people just need to know to drink enough water yeah and yeah. that's the same for movement but there's so many different movement variations and types and it can get very very technical when it comes down to rehabilitation and, and how the body moves it's very complicated and that's initially probably both of our kind of backgrounds really going into the Czech Institute but then if you want to oversimplify it, which a very good place to start is if you need to move more and you want to get into an exercise program, the best exercise program in the world is the one that you will do consistently. So find something you enjoy, whether it's Pilates, whether it's weight training, whether it's football, whether it's mountain biking, it doesn't matter what it is. If you enjoy it and you're going to do it often, that's going to have a beneficial effect. There's no point in going out and getting the best program in the world off the most highest qualified personal trainer. If it's going to bore you to death, the chances are you're not going to do it. So it's going to be a waste of time. So find out what you enjoy. If you don't know what you enjoy, then brilliant. It's a time to experiment and try different things. And that's going to be the thing that's going to keep you healthy as long as it keeps you moving. Absolutely. We could stop there actually, Dan, because that's it in a nutshell. (laughs) I remember when we first when I first qualified at the Czech Institute, you come back and, you know, you've had these top coaches teaching you how to write an exercise plan and you've got all this like knowledge in your head and all this ability. And then you get your client and you write them the most, I remember writing the perfect, I was like, this is the perfect plan for you. It's like, it had everything in all their tight muscles. I'd listed them all out, all the ones that need strengthening, all the ones that need stretching. And I've given them all the examples. It was, it was beautiful. Did they do it? Mm-mm. No, it was just too complex, too much. <laughs> Probably yeah, would have you, taken them about three hours to do it all. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. The world's best program also requires the world's 
biggest time commitment. So <laughs> you live and you learn, though, don't you? Absolutely. So in the end, I like put brought it down to the essence of about two exercises that they agreed that they could do regularly, and then then we worked from there. But yeah, that's absolutely it. It's what you'll enjoy and what you can fit into your life. And I now find the most compliant things that I can give to people are stuff when they'll have the most compliance. It's stuff that they'll do in their lives. So I say, right, if you are waiting for the kettle to boil, do 10 squats while you're doing that or while you're brushing your teeth, <laughs> brush your teeth in a lunge position. You know, it's it's that, well, it's habit stacking, isn't it? So it's that whole stack it onto something else that you already do. And that's when you can really make some big changes because it all comes down to um, NEAT as well, which is the, the thermal, can't remember what it all stands for, but it's about how much you move during the day which if you sit at a desk for the majority of the day, getting up and going to the gym is probably the last thing that you need to do. You just need to move around more during the day. Most of your calorie burn just comes from just being alive, just your body operating all of its systems, yeah. most of your calories. And then obviously doing a workout might burn another four or 500, which is good. But the other one and a half thousand has just come from just being alive. But like you said, if it all seems too overwhelming to start a new exercise program, a really good place to start is to try and incorporate it into everyday life. And I think that's one of the things the pandemic and the lockdown has brought about with people. I know people struggle to exercise in the winter, but there's so many people that have taken up walking. Have you mm. noticed there's people oh, out walking? God, yeah. and I hope it continues because walking is one of the simplest but most effective things to pump your body and to calm your mind, to get out there and some fresh air. Again, it's one of those things that seems oversimplified, but it's just amazing for your body and your mind. And yeah, I think it's going to continue now. I mean, we've had a couple of spring days now and there's people out all over the place. I'm hoping it's going to continue because it's really beneficial. If we're talking about the um, primal patterns, obviously gait and walking is the final one out of the um, seven primal patterns. So we, as trainers, we'd always try to get people to have the primal standard of each of those exercises. We've done a whole episode on primal patterns. So if you want to go back and listen to that, if you don't know what I'm talking about but gait is the last one of those so everything that you do in between is what's building up to to gait pattern and that's what we should be doing our ancestors that's what we were born to do wasn't it that's why we've got big glute muscles to keep us upright and keep us walking and propelling us forward so yeah we've got to use them get off your butt and work your butt yeah and mentioning the butt we're going to talk about aging for a, for a second so a lot of people, as they age, they start to slow down a little bit and they think it's like a time to relax, which obviously it kind of is to some degree, but it's important to maintain all those systems in your body, all the organs pumping efficiently and maintaining some muscle, but there's a few good reasons for that. And when you said the, the glutes, I think it's the glutes in the abdominals are the muscles that start to waste first in the body. So if you are kind of getting on an age and you're, you're doing an exercise program, try and prioritize those muscle groups. So mm. the glutes and the abdominals, really important. And just a quick stat, as you start to age, you lose one pound of muscle for every year after the age of 40. Mm. So it's really important because we know the muscles have some really beneficial effects on health. They help pump blood and oxygen and nutrients around the body. They help eliminate waste products. Obviously, they support the bones. There's a million good reasons to maintain good muscle mass. It helps the metabolism, helps you keep weight off because it's very metabolically active. The more muscle you have on, the more calories you're constantly burning. 
So all these beneficial things. So you want to keep muscle on as you age. And the best way to do that is to lift weights. So like Jill, you were doing some of your kettlebell classes. What is it? What do you do? Bar and bells. Bar and bells. Yeah. Oh, I'm addicted to it. Get the kettlebell out. Yeah, it's really good to maintain that muscle mass. Just because you're, you're getting older doesn't mean you should stop. It's actually more vital to keep going, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the chief medical officer said people shouldn't be getting uh, pipe and slippers when they retire. They should be getting dumbbells and resistance bands. And I really, really believe that. That's why I think like I promote that women in particular should be lifting weights. And women have got this idea that they're going to bulk up. You really, really aren't going to bulk up unless you're really trying and you you really got your nutrition down and you you know, doing a class once a week is not going to bulk, bulk you up. <laughs> so we just don't have that hormonal landscape like men, the same as men to do that. But really getting some weights down into your system, some good iron, I like to call it. And you know what? The women who do it, you absolutely get buzzing afterwards, don't you? It's like a proper endorphin high. And because with weightlifting, you get such good visible results, I think, more than any other type of exercise program. You can really see the difference quite quickly, I think. So that's what I think it is quite addictive, really, once you start. And, and you know, when you say to people, to women, older women in particular, right, you need to start lifting weights. They kind of balk at the idea because I don't know, it just doesn't seem an attractive thing to do because it's hard. It's hard work, isn't it? It's proper hard work, but it's it's really good. I don't know where that stigma comes from that you're going to bulk up and be massive. Do you think women have just looked at kind of stereotypical male bodybuilders in the past and thought that that's what's going to happen because they lift weights? <laughs> that's what's going to happen to us. It's strange because it, it still exists. It's not as bad yeah. today, but it still does exist. I just wonder where it came from but yeah like you said it just it won't happen your body will change shape but it'll change to a nice slender lean physique you won't build this massive hulking muscle because for one the men who you're probably comparing yourself to they take exogenous testosterone so they have mm. like 10 times the amount of testosterone or growth hormone in the body so it's just it's literally impossible for you to get like that so so, so don't be afraid and like i've seen and like you've seen as well as soon as people start lifting weights women in particular they really fall in love with it because it's new and it's novel and like you say you can see the results pretty quick yeah so yeah, yeah and you can words. also remember you can build muscle strength without without building muscle mass so if you know what you're doing you can get stronger a lot stronger and not build up that mass if you if you don't want to yeah your body just learns how to recruit muscles more effectively Mm -hmm. And then obviously, because you're moving more and your muscles are working hard, you're going to burn fat as an energy source as well. So for instance, you might weigh 150 pounds. You literally might not change weight at all, but your body shape might change totally. So you might mm -hmm. lose fat and gain lean muscle. You might look a totally different shape, but you might be the exact same weight. And we should touch upon that because people often use the scales as a, mm. a measurement of health, but it doesn't take into account that you could be gaining muscle and losing fat. You could feel better, look better, your clothes fit better. But because the scales haven't moved, you might be disheartened. Mm -hmm. Don't take that into consideration because you've had a total transformation, which is which is healthier than just focusing on the scales. Yeah, good point, Dan. Well made. Let's all lift some iron because it is very, very good for you. So there are other things that we need to focus on. Of course, when um, we said we were doing a podcast on movement, I consulted the Bible, which is 
Paul Tex, how to eat, move and be healthy. And he's got quite a handy thing in here for optimal health. He has got flexibility training. We still all need to, there's no point being massively muscular without being able to move. Sometimes there is an equation that the increase in strength, reduction in flexibility. So we need to keep an eye on, on the balance between the two. I think a gymnast is the perfect example of strength and flexibility. A bodybuilder would probably be the perfect example of strength with no flexibility. Yeah, so you need to do some flexibility training. But again, it's about what is tight in you. Um, if you sit down all day, the chances are that your hip flexors are going to be tight. So you're probably better off focusing on strength, on stretching the hip flexors. Then he has got in next in line is the energizing exercises. So the working in as opposed to working out. So you've got to be doing your breath work and your kind of Tai Chi yoga type exercises as well. Then he has got the core conditioning, which as a Pilates teacher, we go for that. Um, is very important to have some core strength training to keep everything moving and it's a center it's the center of your body it's important then he has got functional exercises with fun emphasized <laughs> like you said fun into functional so this is kind of like thinking of it's the primal patterns but also thinking about what you do every day so working so what patterns do you constantly put yourself in every day and training into them or training out of them um, deciding on whether you want to strengthen. So if you your job is a removal man, can you remember Harry Backpain? That Harry Backpain, yeah. Harry Backpain was a, um, a, what's the word? A case study that we had to do for the Czech Institute, wasn't he? <laughs> he was a removal man and we had to write a program about how to get him out of his back pain. So we had to look at the things that he did every day and then train that. So it was like deadlifting, wasn't it? And lunging and weight and stuff like that then we have uh, special considerations dan can i nick your quote train don't drain that's what um so you should never leave a exercise like a gym completely drained you should be training not draining so if you feel completely shattered and you can't function for the next three or four days after you've done a training session then that's probably not the right training session for you you're actually draining your energy um he's put in here don't overuse aerobic exercise because we see a lot of people do a lot long slow stuff which is good sometimes if that's so some people love these marathons i oh i couldn't think of anything worse but you know don't overuse aerobic and um the last one is putting it all together and creating a, a program that works for you there you go dan that's it in a nutshell really isn't it yeah, I just want to touch you on when you said the aerobics, when people overuse aerobic exercise. Yeah, I think that kind of falls into the same generation of people who they think weights are going to bulk you up. They also think that going on the, the cross trainer for an hour is going to make you lose weight. Yeah. It's tend to, tend to be the same type of people, doesn't it? I might just notice that more because I work in a gym. Yeah. But it's I think it's a generational thing. It must have been in the kind of 80s or 90s when cardio and aerobics came into play. And that was kind of the new trend and it just stuck from there. Yeah, it's the Jane Fonda generation, as mm. uh, Michael said. <laughs> that, yeah. Um, yeah, when you come from that generation, you know, yeah. Because in the 80s, running suddenly became a thing, a recreational thing. Because if you think about it, before the 80s, people had very physical jobs, like miners and ship working in the ship 
building industry. So they were active all the day. And then in the 80s, it started, suddenly started to become more computer office desk based. There had to be something else that we could do to fill, <laughs> to get some energy expended. So that's when running came in and jogging, jogging became the thing and everyone was out jogging and then everyone got injured because <laughs> they hadn't done it before. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, but it's got to be a mixture of everything, hasn't it? Yeah, and like we said at the start, find something you enjoy. You might hate going for a run, but you might enjoy playing football. It's essentially the same thing, but it's a bit more creative, a few more different aspects. You might hate the idea of going to the gym and doing one rep maxes in the deadlift, but you might enjoy going and doing circuit training. You're still lifting weights in a different aspect, so kind of play around a little bit and find something you enjoy. But you also mentioned the the train don't drain. That's really important because people can do the opposite of being too sedentary that can go to the gym too much and that's going to have negative health effects Mm. so yeah you just want to go to the gym just long enough you don't need to go and lift weights for two hours just get into 45 minutes and then don't go back to the gym until you feel ready and you can feel as though you can put a good performance in i think paul mentions in i've heard in interview and podcasts he learned from a strength coach called tudor bomber i think he was called and he said that you have no business being in the gym unless you can improve your performance by one to three percent every time. If you kind of mm. do that, then you're not rested enough. And that's quite hard to track, like a one percent increase in a bicep curl if you're only lifting like four kilos. It's quite hard to like add one mm. percent on. But it's in general, that's kind of it's an overview of how you should be feeling when you go to the gym. Because if you go to the gym and you just struggle through a session or you go to a class and you find it really hard work the chances are you don't need to be working out. You need to be working in, which is probably the biggest thing I learned from the Czech Institute, apart from the six foundation principles, is the the techniques used to kind of cultivate energy and give your body more resources to heal and then go and do some more active things. So working in sounds like a funny term. We, We did a podcast about it, working in and working out. So working out is expending energy, but working in is just doing very gentle exercise with breathing to calm the mind and actually creates energy and it sounds like a strange concept but once you do it it really does work and it makes you feel amazing and it's just going to improve your performance in more kind of explosive activities a little bit of working in goes a long way and if we're going into full hippie mode have we got our jingle ready yet for full hippie mode full hippie mode (laughs) (laughs) when you're doing the working in you can actually specify into which chakra that you're going to work into so if we're thinking about the yogic system of chakras that each of the chakras has an energy um, and they reflect certain organs and parts of the body and emotions and um, all sorts of other things that you can actually work into each of the chakras separately with various movements that correlate to those chakras right we're going to talk about the chakras more in a future series i think aren't we yeah but on a more i would say a practical more physiological level you can like you said you can target specific areas with different working in movements so just as an example say if you're suffering with constipation then there's certain movements which you can do in a working capacity which are going to help the digestive organs which is on a, a certain chakra level but also physiologically speaking that's just an area of the body which needs more energy and more movement. Mm-hmm. So there's certain exercises which you can do, which don't require you going to the gym. They're just going to help your body function better. 
So they're actually very practical. They're also like kind of metaphysical because you can get into meditative states as well. But on a purely practical level, they do work and it's something which can help a lot of people, I imagine. Yeah. And it incorporates the whole breath work as well. So um, we've already talked about breathing, but if you can incorporate breath and movement together, then that's even better. Kills two birds with one stone, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to talk about how the, the body works as a series of pumps a little bit, because oh, I yes. find this quite interesting. Yeah. So if you think the your heart pumps blood around the body, that's the most obvious one. The muscles also come into hand and, and help the heart as well. And this is a this is really important because if the muscles become weak and they start to atrophy and as you get older and you don't put the work in to maintain that muscle mass, then it increases the stress on your heart because your heart has to then work harder. It's kind of just working on its own to pump all the blood around the body. But if you maintain that muscle mass, the heart then pumps the blood. It gets halfway around the body and it gets to the muscles. The muscles also then act as a pump. So they spur the mm. blood on essentially and get rid of the waste product. So that's going to have a reduction on the stress on your heart if you maintain muscle on the rest of your body. So as you're aging, we know that the, the rates of heart disease and heart attacks increase, don't they? So if you can maintain muscle mass, you're going to reduce the stress on your heart. So it's a really good way to think about it. And it's a really good advantage of maintaining some muscle. Mm-hmm. Another pump is the lymphatic system relies purely on movement to keep mm-hmm. it healthy and pumping. And the lymph system is a strong part of your immune system. So I mean, the immune system's never been more relevant than it is mm. today. Muscles pump water, blood. They also pump waste products out as well. The digestive system needs movement to pump itself. Like we've just spoke about, you could do some the zone exercises to get the digestive system working. So like, imagine this, even if you're, you're eating really healthy, nutritious food, but you're not doing enough movement, that healthy food, the, the stuff that doesn't get absorbed, there's always some waste. If it just sits in your body and doesn't get pumped and moved out of your system, then even healthy food eventually becomes toxic. And then that toxicity in your digestive system can make you become sluggish and lack energy. And it can lead to diseases, things like colon cancer and problems. So you can kind of imagine that movement is also a form of nutrition because it's taking that healthy food and moving it around your body and getting rid of the stuff that doesn't want anymore. So it's not just simply a case of eating. It's a, it's a fact of moving it around your body as well. Mm-hmm. And people think of exercise as like um, like a class or doing something, but movement is exercise and like movement is so much bigger than just exercise, isn't it? Like you've just said, it's moving your bowels, your digestive system, it's moving your blood around your body. Just don't think about it as just exercise. It's so much more than that. It is moving. It's being able to move through your life as well. Propel yourself towards your, your dream, your doctor happy. Um, movement is is everything. It's not just being able to lift a weight. It's being able to be fit and healthy all the way through your life, isn't it? Yeah, and that's a good point. If you think about on a, a bigger level, you have to move and be healthy if you want to play with your grandkids, if you mm. want to live to be old but and still be happy and healthy, it's a necessity. It's it shouldn't be a chore. There's a this like yeah. some people have a stigma around it, don't they? And I mean, I feel quite lucky because I've never ever felt that, but I understand a lot of people do. Yeah. It's because we've made everything so easy for ourselves. Society is mm-hmm. so easy. We make cars so we don't have to walk. Like these things have advantages, but everything's at our fingertips. We don't even have to go and buy food. We just have to grow food kill animals now we, we just sit and 
we have a mobile device where food can be delivered to our door. Like we mm. said before, we were, we were taking the mick in one of the episodes. We were saying, you won't even have to eat it yourself. They'll just post <laughs> slices of pizza through the letterbox sooner or later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is chew it. <laughs> we are creatures of captivity, though, aren't we? So, you know, yeah. that all leads to other things. So we do need to move every day and just get that good nutrients around your body. Um, one of the I've been reading a book about like, I can't remember what it's even called like the top things that top entrepreneurs do you know and the first thing they do every morning is move do some high energy exercise get some flexibility mobility training in and it's key if you want to run your own business and you or you you want to go to work you want like you say want to be able to lift your grandkids up and play with them you've got to make time for movement yeah and just tying in to a few different things you've said on a morning particularly it doesn't have to be intense exercise it can be as simple as just moving the systems of your body mm. so if you do some sort of movement in the morning it could be something like a breathing exercise so you're moving the lungs you're moving oxygen and blood around your body that way it could be a cold and hot shower so it's constricting your blood vessels and giving your your circulatory system a workout Mm-hmm. So that's different forms of movement. Like you said, we think about movement as just exercise, but moving all those systems of the body. And if you do that on a morning, it sets you up well for the day. It just increases your energy if you do these exercises. So yeah, it's, it's a good point to think about movement. Like all life, life is movement. And once you stop moving, you pretty much stop living, don't you? So even little things that will help if you can incorporate them into your everyday life. You're right there, Dan. So one of the other things I wanted to mention was um, something that I've just been researching and looking at is archetypal rest positions. Because today we weren't, strangely enough, we weren't designed to sit in chairs because chairs didn't exist when we were in the cave. We didn't have a nice armchair or sofa to sit in. So we used to sit on uh, rocks and things like that. So if you think about um, full squat, for example, like, both you and I can do full squats, get right down. And I find it actually quite comfortable with to be able to sit like that and can probably sit like that for quite some time. But the majority of people can't do that. And when you think about maybe a third of the world, that's just sitting down, isn't it? So look how far we've been removed from that by our toilets are chair height. There's no reason. In fact, it's biologically inaccurate to be sitting on a toilet, a toilet height to have a poo. We should be down in a full squat, shouldn't we? Yeah, I use one of those squat steps. <laughs> <I'm gonna> say- <laughs> I've got one. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What it does is it just, uh, well, funny enough, I never used to use one, but when I moved into the house where I live now, the toilet's abnormally high. <laughs> the person who lived here before was like a giant or something. But, um, so the, the step just raises your feet up off the floor and it gets your knees above yeah. your waistline. But kind of anatomically speaking, that opens up the, the digestive system and the colon mm-hmm. so you can go to the toilet a lot easier. Like you said, when before toilets were invented, you just get into the full squat. That's how your digestive system is meant to work optimally. And yeah. if you look at Eastern cultures, they still do that quite a lot. You have that full squat resting position. They'll just sit mm-hmm. and talk, but they'll just be be down with the bum pretty much touching the floor. And that's it's a human resting position. And even just working up towards that can be quite therapeutic. Uh, if you try and do a full clot, a full clot, a full squat in class now, people just like can't do it, can they? You mm. know, it's they look at you like you're a nutter. But really, that is a position that if we lived out in the wild, so we would be doing every day. 
yeah, it just shows you kind of how far we've become removed. And we're not saying you have to go out there and be perfect and start getting into the full squat position. And it's just, it's an indication of what we should be kind of looking towards getting back to, even if it's just a little bit, your body's going yeah. to appreciate it and respond in a good way. Yeah. So the archetypal rest position, if we think if we didn't have chairs or beds or pillows, they didn't have pillows. Have you seen those like tribal pillows that they have, the, the little wooden things? like little wooden rests we've never seen them don't sound uh, very comfortable they weren't no but we think that everything has to be all co- we're all comforted now aren't we we're like mm. wrapped in cotton wool but really our bones are designed to be lying on a stone floor with maybe just a, a fur rug <laughs> i'll not be chucking my mattress out anytime soon no you're not convincing <laughs> me here <laughs> But that's how we're meant to, like you were saying before we came on air, that your shoulder is meant to have enough um, mobility in it to put your ha- rest your hand on your head. I think like that sometimes, though, do you? Yeah, I think a lot of people do naturally in the middle of the night turn and get the hand under the pillow mm-hmm. and get into that natural rest position. It's yeah. yeah, your body, obviously, when you're asleep, you're pretty much unconscious, so it'll do things which it knows it wants to without you consciously choosing to. Yeah, there's some things we do in Pilates sometimes, and it's like, Ah, oh, this you, it, this feels really good, and um, you know the Feldenkrais maneuvers as well. They're really good, aren't they? Oh you know? yeah, yeah. If you're not sure what the Feldenkrais maneuvers are, you have to come to my class and I'll I'll show you them. Yeah, so those are actually some of the zone exercises, the working exercises which we spoke about earlier. So if you have kind of shoulder pain or shoulder impingement, just some very simple exercises can just start to mobilize, get some fresh nutrients and oxygen in there, and. You'd be surprised how simple they are, but how effective they work. That's again, we've kind of mentioned this term quite a lot. It seems overly simplified, but that's kind of what works. And it's good because then, like you said, you don't have to write a three-hour program for someone to be rehabilitated. Just doing a few exercises and drinking some water might be all you need. Yeah. Can I just talk a little bit about floor? This month, we've been doing a February floor class, classes in, um, in Pilates. And flow is one of our Pilates principles, but it also comes at the end. It's like one of the final principles that once everybody's got the mobility, the strength, the center, the breath, it's like the final one to come is flow. And it's it's one of the hardest ones to do. And I've noticed that people really struggle with flow. So for example, you could go to a gym and you could lift really heavy bicep curls, let's say, but can you go from a, a plank to a high V position easily without any restrictions and uh, when we do floor exercises floor classes people really struggle with them but it's really important to be able to to go from one thing to the other because it's like working your muscles and your joints and your tendons in all different different ways and being strong on lots of different planes of movement yeah and like we said earlier if you want to for instance, if you've grown old and you want to play with the grandkids, you're going to have to learn to flow from one movement to the other because kids mm. are pretty unpredictable. <laughs> you're going to have to like play with them and then stop, jump up and stop them from touching a fire or you know, catch them if they're going to fall over. That You're going to flow from one movement to the next. In terms of exercise, a way to practice that would be to do things like go to a Pilates class where you go from one movement to the next, mm-hmm. do things like sports or dancing that require agility and coordination and it's really good for your brain as well and you your mental efficiency so yeah. yeah flow is really important that's a good point and when um i've been training with the reformer lately which is a piece of pilates apparatus with like a moving platform with springs it really makes you train hard because you can't you 
you're transitioning from one to the other and you cannot switch off anyway because the springs will just bring bring you back in so it's it's really it's really interesting actually I've been working a lot with flow and it's made a massive difference you know I didn't realize how much difference it would make in like everyday life and just being it for example we regularly do a shoulder bridge in Pilates honestly I started doing a shoulder bridge the other day after working on the reformer and I was like oh this is what it's meant to be like I've been teaching shoulder bridge for like 10 years and then all of a sudden it's like oh this is like different and that's the only thing I've done is work on the reformer so it's dead interesting yeah you were saying about earlier in the podcast that gymnasts are probably a really good benchmark of flexibility and strength mm. well the way they transition and flow from movement to movement yeah. is really impressive isn't it you don't even know the difference you could you're probably doing 50 in a routine 50 individual movements which you can learn on their own but they put yeah. them together seamlessly and that's a really good indication of flow so the the whole body works as a full unit mm-hmm. good one right dan i think we've covered everything in movement yeah yeah like you say it's a pretty big subject but Hopefully that's a nice overview. We could probably do another 10 episodes on different types of movement, but we need to constantly keep moving. If you're moving too much, do a little bit of work in. If you're too sluggish, do some working out, but find something you enjoy. That would be my top tips. Yeah, I'm probably the same as you. And yeah, just get out there, move more. Don't sit in chairs all the time. That's my top tips. That was episode five out of six. And the final episode in our mini series coming up is going to be the opposite to movement, which is sleep, which is Jill's superpower. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.